I said, Beck, why don't we watch Breaking Bad again? And Wes, you know what she said to me? You know what this bitch had the cheek to say? John, I've never watched Breaking Bad. That is a travesty. Dumper. So we started watching Breaking Bad again about, what, five days ago, four days ago, and we're hooked. Um, and we're just finished season one. Tuco is a crazy bastard. But the, the sort of bottom line of this story is that I probably think about you more than I think about my parents at the minute. Because every time I see him stick that dodgy little hat on and sunglasses, or they're not even sunglasses, they're just glasses, aren't they? I think of you, Wes. I don't know how you feel about that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel good, John. I feel absolutely honoured. And hopefully that when anyone uh, watches Breaking Bad, they think about, uh, you know, my stupid little avatar and me tweeting about Lookman 24-7. Well, that's it, yeah. I, I do anyway. But um, yeah, great show. 10 out of 10 would recommend. And I'll put it to you this way. I watched it when it first came out. And it's definitely, it's at that time now where you can watch it again. And it's okay. Yeah. Do you know there's always that sort of, that, that awkward balance with series where it's like, if you watch it too soon because you loved it, you'll kind of half ruin it and you know what's going to happen. It, yeah. But if you leave yeah. it just that extra year or two, you've hit the sweet spot. I'm at the sweet spot. I've completely forgot half of it, which is brilliant. Yeah, that's perfect. Anyway, welcome to the FPL Double Up podcast episode. I don't even know what episode it is, but this is the Game Week 12 kind of summary and Game Week 13 preparation. Uh, There's a couple of Game Weeks, actually. We'll be talking about Game Week 14 as well. It's Christmas. The fixtures are coming thick and fast. So we'll be sort of preparing you for the next two Game Weeks, really, Wes. Is that the plan? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, With the fixtures coming, obviously, midweek and then the weekend... We'd just be cramming podcasts out there for the sake of it. And we're all about quality. We want to get good quality podcasts out there rather than, you know, just pumping out material. So, yeah, we'll be hopefully looking forward to the next two fixtures. And then we'll be looking back on them this time sort of next week. Yeah, uh, this time next week. It'll be it'll be really starting to get to Christmas then. It'll really yeah. be getting into like Christmas territory. And then the one after that, Christmas will be gone, which is quite depressing. But uh, you have kids, Wes, don't you? I do have two kids. Are they excited? They're very excited. They're off actually seeing uh, Father Christmas today with their nan, so uh, it's given me some time off to to do the pod. So I'm very grateful for that. Oh, that's lovely. That that is lovely. It's oh geez, can kids go and sit in Santa's lap now with COVID? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe his beard counts as a mask. I'm not sure. Jeez. Tell you what. Anyway, I'm really going off on one here. We need to get into FPL, but before we do, Fanslide is the world's first in-play fantasy football game, completely complementary to FPL. Why waste all that research you do on just one game? You can go and play in-play on Fanslide, and uh, do you know what? It's it's free rolling at the minute, but there are cash prizes up for grabs. In the United and City game, you could have won 250 quid, and this week for the Liverpool game, it is midweek. I forget who they're playing here. Liverpool playing. Spurs. Liverpool and Spurs have another 250 quid up for grabs. So why not go download the app and when you're watching Liverpool Spurs, have a play around, get used to it, see what you think and maybe win some money. Wes, what do yeah. you think? Yeah, absolutely, John. And um, the good news is on that front, friend of the show, Ash from FPL Hints, our first guest. Uh, you guys will probably remember him from two pods ago. He did very well during the Leicester game. Uh, last night the one where Vardy Madison smashed it up for him and he is actually fourth in the uh, global leaderboard so if it's good enough for Ash from FPL Hints it's good enough for me very good well look go and download Fanslide give it a go in the midweek games and prepare you for a busy Christmas period 
So, straight up no kissing, Wes. Let's talk about your team. So, it looks like you had a pretty decent game week there. You had 74 points. Yep, decent week for me. Um, especially that last game, the Leicester game, really made it from a, from a good week to a pretty great oh, week. Oh, jeez, yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. So, I had Vardy there with goal to assist, 13 points. That was nice. And James Justin finally sort of fulfilled his promise. He's had a few weeks of doing kind of nothing. But he got a an assist, created a few chances in that game, and a clean sheet, two bonus points. And Salah as well as my captain. That was obviously the captain's always so big, and he was very close to blanking there. Kind of fortunate penalty in terms of it, the keeper could have saved it quite easily there. David de Gea had that one every day. You just needed a keeper who uses his feet with his feet. Just- yeah. Yeah, exactly. He tried to get down low. Uh, but I'll run, obviously for the listeners, they can't see my team necessarily, so I'll run through it. It's McCarthy in goal, six points there. Chilwell, Justin, Dallas. Soychek, Salah, captain. Fernandez, De Bruyne, both blanked there. And Vardy, Bamford, Calvert-Lewin up front. So Calvert-Lewin and Bamford ticked along with an assist each. And Soychek got a goal as well, so pretty good. On my bench, I've Got the Southampton backup in case McCarthy doesn't play. Forster, I've got Lookman to ro- rotate with Soychek, and I've got Lamptey who missed out this game week, and I've got Mitchell uh, as just a dead rubber really. But that was uh, that was me. But yeah, an interesting interesting week. Um, how did how did you get on before we go into more depth on our teams, John? It could have been better. I had a decent enough week. Do you know, I got after a minus four a sixty one net points um martinez and goal was obviously a bit of a highlight yeah chilwell lewis and walker peters at the back son and kane i kept them both they both got returns which was nice um mm. but it would have been nice for another little return off one or the other after that kind of early enough goal uh first yeah. half fernandez yeah salah captain Grealish, bamford and calvert lewin i had suchek first on the bench uh nothing else of note on the bench but I think when I say it could have been better, like you would take a game week, game week like that, you know, it was green arrows or whatever else, but you had Vardy and I was very, I needed to basically find like 0.3 million to get Salah in or like 0.3 or 0.4 and I basically went James Justin to Jamal Lewis. That's where I found it. Uh, Whereas somewhere I considered finding it, I think, I don't even know if the value is there now. Let me just double check this. Yeah, the other place that I considered was going Kane to Vardy which would have yeah. found me that like not point five, not point six, would have kept me the Sun Spurs cover in the middle. And you know, so it could have been an absolutely amazing game week. I probably yeah. could have had an eighty or ninety pointer, but look, we'll take it and we'll move on. Yeah, it's tough. Especially like you said, Justin to Lewis, it wasn't necessarily a, a bad shout. You had to find the money from somewhere. James Justin wasn't producing the goods up until this week, so that's that is an unfortunate one. Um but yeah, the interesting things about you know your team versus my team, I guess, would be the you've got no De Bruyne, which was fine this week for yourself because he he blanked, um, and you've managed to keep Kane and Son, whereas I've got rid. And I guess it's kind of one of those where we're kind of both happy. You've got you've got nine points from Kane, five from Son away at Crystal Palace, um, and I'm also glad as a non-owner that it was only that much. Mm. Um, and like you say, it was an early goal, it was a keeper mistake, but then after that. Uh, the keeper really did keep Palace in the game. Oh, the um, saves he made. Yeah, brilliant. Especially from Dyer from a free kick, Kane from a header. Everything he did apart from the actual goal 
was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. But what are you what are you currently thinking with obviously for myself I got rid of Kane and Son two weeks ago and since then they've both scored over the course of that two game period really well. But so have my replacements, so I'm kind of happy. But where are mm. you at with the with the Spurs guys? So this is one of those that I think a lot of people listening will actually be able to relate to. So look, if you've got rid of your, your Spurs guys already, indulge me for a moment. I've got Kane and Son. Now, for me, the way my team's set up, it's kind of looking like all or nothing in a way. Because the only reason I would get rid of either of them is to get cram KDB into that midfield. But to do that, Son is realistically the guy who has to go. And to find the funds for that upgrade, Kane is the other guy that has to go. Mm. So the unless I want to keep them both, Son kind of, it, it's just a really awkward one without t- making a load of transfers or yeah. wildcarding or whatever. It it's kind of all or nothing. I don't know if I've explained that very well, but like I can't just go. KDB is basically the only player I would get rid of them for at the minute. And I don't know, Kane. I could maybe go Kane all the way down and upgrade Grealish but I've no money in the bank it's not going to happen so I think I'll, I'm, I'm kind of stuck in that between a rock and a hard place where yeah for your team I, you know another move that you could contemplate it depends if you want to keep Grealish or not but you could go Sun to uh, KDB and then Grealish could be the make weight if you went down to the likes of Pascal Gross at Brighton Ooh. is a decent-ish choice uh, you might I'm not sure if the finances will work out I don't want to keep banging on about Luke, uh, Lookman too much, but you know he is still a decent option. Uh, who else is there? That sort of price range, cheaper midfielders. So you know there's Neto and Podents. Mm. You're not far off, Wes. Do you know if I go Son and Grealish out, I can bring yeah. De Bruyne and a five million in. For exa- exactly five. Exactly five. So yeah, it would have to be pretty much would have to be Lookman, which is I I like I said I don't want to keep banging on about Lookman, but, uh, <laughs> but but you will anyway. <laughs> No, but I'll just say it's a decent option. Leave it at that. You know, he's, he's ticking along with goals and assists, and he's five mil, so not much needs to be said. He does have good fixtures coming up now, um, but yeah, that's it on Lookman. That's just an option for you. So there are always there are sometimes other ways that aren't as obvious. So I, I guess the learning there is just kind of you know look at your team, consider if you want to do that. But then again, Grealish could be uh, a really good option. And the thing with De Bruyne is I've got him in my team, and I'm considering we'll get onto Capsi later on because I've got a huge dilemma this week. But De Bruyne has scored zero goals from open play in the Premier League this season. He's got two goals. Uh, they're both in penalties. He's also missed a penalty. Uh, and with Aguero coming back from injury, is Aguero going to become the penalty taker? Will Aguero play next week? Or do you think he'll mm. just play at some stage over Christmas? Yeah, that, I, I'm more thinking um, a bit more longer term with De Bruyne. I, think he, I don't think he'll play this week. I don't know, to be honest. It's Pep. It's... You know, Aguero came back. He came off the bench, didn't he, in the Champions League, I think. And then he just wasn't in the squad for United. Um, so who knows there? Probably not. But I'm thinking sort of in future game weeks, if Aguero's back, does he take penalties back? Maybe. Ha- having said that, obviously, based on last season, De Bruyne's an excellent asset without penalties anyway because he was a top point scorer uh, in the game anyway. And he has still got assists in his locker, of course. So, you, you know, and that's a, a, obviously a valid source of FPL points. But at... How, how much is he? 11.7 million, roughly, um, for a guy who hasn't scored from open play yet. And I'm saying this as a person who has De Bruyne, and I'm actually considering captaining him. So I'm not saying this with any sort of bias against De Bruyne. I'm just making, I'm just getting your, I want to get your thoughts on um, the fact that he's got no goals from open play. Is that worrying you? No. 
I'm like to be quite blunt, no, and it's purely mm. just down to the class of player that he is. Yeah, I think, and I mean that is a bit of just a no. It, it's definitely a great observation, you know, and it, it's probably something that would concern a lot of people. But zero goals from open play, and in his last three games, he had a ten pointer, a fourteen pointer, a three pointer. This man will find points anywhere. He'll find, find them yeah. down the back of the sofa, and he <laughs> might get the occasional penalty. A yeah. man said he hadn't been in great form. Do you know, they only put two past Fulham. They drew nil each against Man United in a lacklustre display. And I, I suppose it's maybe now, I think I said this episode one of ours, this could be four four week game weeks now. I've been banging on about KDB and Man City will turn this around. Mm. Now, they, they, had, they did win a couple of games there, but I wouldn't be surprised if goals start coming for Kevin De Bruyne. Like, yeah. If you look is- at their fixtures up to game week 22, like... There's some really nice fixtures coming over yeah. into the end of January. Up to the end of January. You know, you've got West Brom there. Southampton could be tough. Newcastle, Everton always concede. Uh, Brighton, Crystal Palace, West Brom, Sheffield, Burnley. Like, mm, I wouldn't exactly. be concerned about that with KDB. Yeah, and also to flip it on its head, he's still scored, you know, the amount of points he has without a goal from open play. So as soon as he adds them to his game, which he will, which we all know he's got it in the locker... Um, he could be that triple threat of goals from open play, assists from open play, assists from set pieces, sorry, quad threat, and goals from penalties. Bonus points here. Like he got 13 yeah. goals oh, last yeah. season. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a bonus points monster as well. Like He's the sort of player that can get bonus off just like a game with one assist because he plays so well overall. So yeah, I'm a really big fan of his, but yeah, I just wanted to float that sort of mm, it's interesting. slightly worrying observation. And I guess the other thing with De Bruyne, I don't want to talk about rotation too much because it's very hard to predict. And, you know, it's kind of meaningless in a way because you're not going to not select De Bruyne because of this. But he has had his minutes managed quite well by Pep so far in terms of he's been rested in, I'm pretty sure, the last three prem- uh, Champions League games. Which he has, he hasn't played a minute in any of them. In any Champions League game. Yeah, which bodes really well for the Christmas yeah, period. It does, but does that mean that... Is he going to play this... You know, he's just played on the weekend, then there's midweek, then there's the weekend again. Does he play them all? Um, I guess it's Pep. We can't really worry ourselves too much about that. Uh, but it is just a thing that is there with Man City players, I guess. Well, that that's something to talk about, I suppose, going into this. Because me, whenever I used to not really follow FPL content and just kind of went a bit off my own bat mini leagues I used to always try and save my wild card for the Christmas period mm. um, and I used to always like, the Christmas period for me was like what makes or breaks your season now, my mindset's yeah. somewhat changed but something that I think is worth talking about going into this next few weeks is squad depth and your bench and it's been a big big factor this season already with players undoubtedly hugging their mums and dads and cousins and aunties and everyone at Christmases being a little bit mm. irresponsible here and there yeah. uh, playing so many games with so many different teams there could be postponed fixtures there could be players out um, isolating there could be injuries there could be squad rotation I'm starting to look at Mitchell on my bench and think I should really have a viable option there <laughs> yeah exactly the same for me so I've got a little bit of money in the bank for my team uh, I think 0.7 million and I've got Mitchell sitting there so I can go up to the likes of uh, a Sofal is that how you pronounce it from West Ham the right back um, or you know one of the Villa defenders and therefore have you know five playing defenders I haven't broke the bank I've only spent an extra sort of 0.5 0.6 more million than I already would have on Mitchell who's now a dud player so yeah, I'm definitely looking at that as well, especially as for myself, I've got two free transfers. 
there's nowhere else I really want to change my team. Um, all of my fielders and strikers I'm happy with. There are other options, of course, that could be better, but you know, I don't want to fl- flip-flop around too much. So I'm happy with all my midfielders and strikers. The only player I'm not really happy with is Mitchell. So yeah, exactly the same as you. And yeah, just to add to that, the Christmas period is the period where you need your bench most in any season. Throw COVID into the mix. Throw... Um, the close concentration of games which is the same every year to be fair but yeah the bench your bench now is even more important we've seen it already with Lamptey against Leicester he was he's been a player who's had some injury niggles this year so Potter just decided to leave him out the squad for Saturday because sorry for uh, Sunday's game because he knows about the schedule coming up so he's kind of a player that's now had his rest so he should probably start the next game but those players who haven't had a rest yet played a lot of games someone like James Justin actually he's played a lot I've noticed uh, watching the Europa League he's played a lot in Europe he's played pretty much every minute in the Premier League I think as well so you know that that could start happening but instead of trying to predict it and making transfers out because of that just shore up your bench as much as you can get those players who you know I guess over the course of the season, any player can get the odd rest, but it's just you don't want those players who get in like rested every other week or, sorry, not rested, rotated every other week. If your player gets one rest out of 20, 30 games, then you just got to take it on the chin um, and have a solid bench for those occasions. Mm. Something, something that isn't a big feature in either of our teams or many people's teams maybe at this stage in the season is Southampton. I have Kyle Walker-Peters. Obviously, some people have gone James Ward-Prowse. Danny Ings is a fan favourite, as is Adams. They look really good. Yeah, they've got loads of options. And the way they're playing, I think they're third in the league now. They are playing really nice football. It, ever since they got... It seems to be like ever since they got drubbed 9-0 by Leicester, what was it, 12 months, 18 months ago, something like that. Yeah. They seem to have kicked on since there and they've carried it on into this season. Obviously, Ings last season got... 22 goals or something like that um, and that was without you know with hardly any penalties he wasn't on them at the start of last season so obviously Ings is a good option Shea Adams has now settled into the Premier League he took pretty much the whole season didn't he and then towards the end of last season he started chipping in with some goals he's carried that on into this year because I think on last week's pod I haven't actually checked uh, for sure but on last week's pod I said how um, Shea Adams would have been close to Werner on overall points I'm guessing he's overtaken Werner now and Werner's a player who's obviously got some goals and assists this year, but costs like, you know, four, three and a half million more, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, he's three points ahead of Werner now. 60 yeah. points to 57. I'm glad I, I got rid of Timo Werner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And in terms of Adams, I thought it was a good thing that Ings is back because he's not necessarily going to be the main striker now for them because that would be Ings in terms of goal score. But in terms of if Shea Adams lays on a chance to the likes of, you know, Stuart Armstrong or Walcott, Yes, they're, they're good players and they can score goals as well. But if they if he lays on a plate, it's Danny Ings. Danny Ings is much more likely to finish that. So I think Sheridan's assist and goal potential has gone up because of Ings' return. Because I think there would be a better attacking unit with him in the team. Ings and actually yeah. missed a one-on-one this week. That would have been a Sheridan's assist. So, yes. You know, he could have had two assists. You're right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he got the little goal, didn't he, where he just sort of popped it through. It was a clever little finish. Oh, sorry, um, yeah, he wouldn't have had two assists. He would have had just the one assist two, on the goal. Yeah, two contributions, are you right? Um, but yeah, they've got loads of, of valid assets. McCarthy in goal is um, ticking along nicely with a you know, fair amount of clean sheets and save points. Um, they didn't actually concede a shot on target last game week uh, because Sheffield, yeah, Sheffield United didn't take a shot on target. So, you know, the clean sheet was guaranteed almost. Um, Vestergaard is chipping in with goals. Bednarak's got 
Um, oh, he scored from a Ward-Prowse corner the, the other day. He then got the assist for Adams, fortunately. But I think because they've got Ward-Prowse and his his set-piece deliveries from you know crossing free kicks or corner kicks, uh, the chances of a goal for Vestergaard are much higher than if Vestergaard played in a team where that team can't take a corner. Vestergaard's so tall and so good in the air uh, that he's got a very good chance of continuing to score. I think he's already got four Premier League goals. So he could... Um, yeah, Warpulse's delivery. He's got three. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is Southampton are up against Arsenal next. And I don't Great. know if this is uh, what the stats are in the background, but I kind of have it in my head that Arsenal aren't that great at defending set pieces. Maybe I'm wrong. That's mm. me just based on last night's performance where Obama had got no goal. But yeah. Southampton not- are so lethal. I, I, it could be yeah. a good fixture for Southampton, particularly off the back of sort of the drama that is Arsenal at the minute and Jack is sending off and yeah Arsenal are in a real yeah Yeah. absolutely they're in a real real horrible place so if anyone's holding on to any Arsenal asset I'd get rid there was there was an argument to have Bellerin a couple of game weeks ago because Arsenal were um, Arsenal did have a decent defensive record and possibly still do in the course of the whole season but I still wouldn't like to be going into the Christmas period with any of their players just because of, yeah, the, the the club just seems in a terrible state. Bamiyang, even when before Arsenal, if they weren't performing very well, then you could rely on Bamiyang to score two goals this season. Yeah, and they would, I think they both came. One came early doors, and one was a penalty away at United. I think uh, you're like Korean man, Wes. The amount of things you remember, like even the Danny Yang's twenty-two goals that you suddenly dropped. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah he scored. Not, I've not got anything up in front of me either. <laughs> he scored first game of the season, yeah, and then United penalty. Yeah, it was Fulham curler top corner. It was nice, but um, yeah, Bamiyang just looks an absolute shadow of his former self. And like I said, Bellerin was a was an asset until recently, but there's better options at, at cheaper prices. So yeah, but but yeah, back to your original point about Southampton, they do they do look really really good and. Yeah, you could have three. And actually, John, I've got the similar sort of, or I could have the similar sort of situation that you had with, you know, your two Villa defenders. Sorry, your two uh, Villa goalkeepers. Keepers, yeah. And you had Grealish and therefore you couldn't get the likes of a Mings or Watkins or whatever you wanted at the time. Whereas with me, I have both keepers. I did have Ings earlier in the season, but say if I wanted uh, to double up on Vestergaard or Walker-Peters to go with McCarthy, which I would think is a viable shout I would then block that future transfer to Danny Ings that I might want to do. So just so I don't snook myself, I am going to avoid players like Ward Prowse, Vestergaard and Walker Peters for my own team, purely because I've got the two goalkeepers and I don't want to block any route to Danny Ings right now. Um, but yeah, like if you haven't got those keepers, then there's so many assets from that team that you could go for and they're all good good choices at, at a cut price as well. It's it's a pro- This is a problem that's happened to me and it's happening to you now with these teams and my yeah. Villa keepers your Southampton keepers it's going to make me think about it in future seasons It's I've, I've never been snookered like this before Yeah. because I always before this season I used to try and go for like a rotating pair of keepers but that's an yeah. extra half million tied up in, in the goalkeepers and I would have rotated exactly, yeah. but this season I've just went budget budget and budget <laughs> yeah I've gone for budget and I've gone we've both gone for like the two the idea of being that if you if you number one keeper misses out for their, their club then you get their backup playing so you guarantee yourself your starting keeper you save that yourself that sort of headache of choosing between your keepers and you don't miss out on that occasionally like you get the, the smaller teams playing the bigger teams and 
you know, when they do manage to keep clean sheets in that game, um, players like Messley have got like a, was it like 11 points away at Everton? I'd have had that down as, you know, Everton, Calvert-Lewin will probably score a goal against a leaky lead side. But, you know, in that game, Messley made so many saves, got bonus, got a clean sheet that they actually get those big points. So if you was rotating Messlier with, a, you know, a McCarthy or a Martinez, you probably wouldn't have, you'd have benched those 11 points almost certainly. A lot of people this week got stung with the Messlier and Martinez shuffle, didn't they? I'm yeah, pretty sure yes. I've seen a lot of people who had the 11 points on the bench and that's heartbreaking. Yeah, exactly. And there's also a lot of people, sorry, who got rid of Martinez two weeks ago whenever Aston Villa's game was postponed. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, the, those who kept hold and just took their zero pointer for the for the postponement are now reaping the rewards because he's now got 11 points over that two game weeks rather than taking a minus four for a keeper who would have probably only got you maybe, I don't know, somewhere in between two to eight points, then minus the four. So it was probably worked out for you and whoever else has kept hold of, hold of Martinez for that. And there's obviously the double game week in 19 coming up for... Um, so, yeah, everyone should watch out for news on double game week announcements that are... It's going to it's gonna come around really quickly. Obviously, we're in game week 13 now, but there will be a double game week in 19, which is six game weeks away. So just keep one eye on it. Keep it in the back of your mind. Um, maybe don't trans- keep play- keep those players like, you know, soy checks and maybe your, your cheap sort of Villa players because when they get a double, that's going to be really helpful. Well, it's only we're going to have this podcast out about 24 hours before the deadline. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> I'm kind of torn. I don't know whether to wait for my transfers or just get them done. I'm probably going to wait for the pressers and stuff and see what happens, but it's it's kind of nice having so much Premier League football to look forward to <laughs> because yeah. It, it, we've been kind of spoiled this year. It was like obviously COVID came in, COVID came in. COVID happened and we got no football for a while and we were all pulling our hair out and then it's just been non-stop since. Yeah, and especially because it's been on the telly, hasn't it? Obviously, every game has now been televised, apart from that short period of pay-per-view. But yeah, it's been um, it's been a lot of football on in my house. Yeah, yeah, mine too. Because obviously, people who listen may or may not know, I'm big into European football in general. So I'm watching Bundesliga, Syria over here, and then the league is on in the background. It's like, geez, it's just non-stop football, which is brilliant. But Wes, we'll move on because it is only 24 hours away to captaincy choices, I think, for this week. And there's one yeah. big, big topic you want to discuss because it's a it's something that you're going to have to deal with in a lot of managers. Yeah. It's De Bruno. Um, De Bruno, indeed. De Bruno, which kind of sounds like Conor McGregor's taken to FPL. De Bruno. Um, yeah. And he's given it his best shot. But yeah, talk to me. So for my team, um, my three sort of big hitters are all in midfield of Salah, De Bruyne, and Bruno Fernandes. I've also got Vardy, if you know, if you categorise him in that lot. But this week, Bruno, sorry, sorry, Salah plays, faces Tottenham, so I don't want to captain him. And De Bruyne has West Brom at home, who have, I'm pretty sure they've conceded the most league goals of any team this, this year. Them and Fulham are up there. Um, and also Bruno's away at uh, Sheffield, Sheffield United, who are bottom of the league. Bruno historically does very well away from home. Ever since he's joined Man United, he's got the most sort of goal contributions of any player in the league, I believe. I believe that stat is still up to date. And yeah, he does very well away from home. This season, you just have to look at it. He's got double digits in every game he started. And then he has, what was it, 45 minutes off the bench at West Ham. And he created something silly like eight chances, got an assist, got bonus. Um, so yeah, he's just he's just an animal. Home and away, open play, penalties, set pieces, just always involved for Man United. By far their best player. 
and in terms of Man United rely on rely on him a lot more than probably probably any other team rely on one sole player from an attacking point of view anyway because without him they just look they look awful um but yeah back to sort of from an FPL perspective drilling into that the obvious choice and the choice you know if you look at if you just if you pull up, if you've got those two players you pull open your team you see De Bruyne there you see underneath that he's got West Brom at home and you put the captaincy on him that's what I've done so far but then that creeping doubt comes into your mind it's like mm, Bruno the amount of goals and assists he's got since joining United the amount of and everything he's done, his away form, his this, his that, yada, yada, yada. It just makes me think if, and then obviously the fixture is playing bottom of the league. We all think of West Brom as a, well, you know, pro- rightly or wrongly, it's kind of like West Brom are the whipping boys and Sheffield United will, you know, it's underworld and they'll turn it around, but it hasn't been the case so far. They got, they just got beaten 3-0 by Sheffield, uh, by Southampton. They didn't have a shot on target. So could this be a game that Man United dominate and win 3-0 there, maybe? But equally, you know, Man City could put five past um, West Brom. So I think they're both really good captaincy options and I just hopefully get it right. It's just such a tough call. I don't know which way I'll go. Um, No one knows which way they're going to go based on, you you put out a post about this on Twitter Yeah, and there's been uh, Bruno here. So FPL Costanza's on KDB, FPL Fantasy Film saying Bruno, FPL Robo saying Bruno and then there's a bit of debate under that about it. K- KDB, I think, for FPL Dummy Josh, FPL Slovakia joining in. Tom Hovey says, Hart says, Bruno Head says, Kev. And it just keeps going back and forth and back and forth. If I had to pick one, I actually think I would, I'd probably go for Bruno. Uh, I just really rate that Sheffield United fixture. Mm-hmm. I back him for a haul, but I don't know. You, you can never know. It's a, it's a toss, toss of the coin. But if you go De Bruyne, I'll back Bruno. Yeah, who? So you'll have you. You've obviously got Fernandez in your team already. You've got this, and then you've got the Spurs lads as well, and mm. Salah. Obviously, that you probably don't want to captain any of those, I guess. So if you do manage to bring in KDB, you're gonna have the same dilemma. So I might leave it go for another week. I don't know though. Two Spurs guys against. I don't look. I'm not getting into it again. But no. yeah, I don't know. It, oh God, can I go another week without him? I hate this game. That's um, tough. It is so tough. I'm captain and Bruno though. Even if I bring De Bruyne, oh, really? Captain and Bruno, which maybe should affect the transfer, but whatever. Yeah, that no, it's a good point actually. In terms of, I'll bring it back more generally rather than to your specific scenario. But yeah, when weighing up transfers, so obviously a couple of weeks ago I did a minus eight to bring in the likes of KDB, Salah, and um, yeah, so those were the two main players I wanted in, which is why I had needed to do the minus eight to fund those two transfers because I went up from Son and Grealish. And the reason, one of the reasons I did that big at minus eight, whilst also removing good players, was because I knew that I'd captain De Bruyne f- against uh, who was it Fulham, and he got fourteen points there. And then I knew that I'd captain Salah against Fulham away, and he he got returned there. So that was in my thinking b- behind mm. that sort of transfer. So yeah, it definitely should should weigh into yours as well, in terms of whether you should go go with all that. I'd say that if you were going to captain him then it would definitely sway it into, you know, being the the correct move for your team. But yeah, exactly like bringing it back to this Bruno versus De Bruyne debate and just looking through the replies on my Twitter, like it's it's probably split 50-50. I should have maybe run it as a poll. Someone's replied saying Orba, lol. Um, 
good one there. What a joker. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> like you said, yeah, really interesting reply from Tom Hovey, who uh, does the artwork for the Great British Bake Off. So I'm sure there's a lot of Great British Bake Off fans out there who are listening to this pod, but just don't want to admit it. Uh, he, yeah, he does the artwork for them. He says, Hart says Bruno, Head says Kev, which is interesting, isn't it? You kind of, that's that sort of internal battle that everyone's going to be having with themselves when they have those two players. And it's going to make it even more painful when one of them scores more than the other. Exactly, yeah. Especially if a lot of people on, you know, a lot of your melee rivals might be on one player, player X, and you might be on player Y. And if you're on the wrong end of that, they're all in the group chat giving you shit. And uh, you've just got to try and laugh it off. 100%. Well, Wes, I think it could be time to move on to some questions if you're happy to. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, do you know what I want to do before we do that, actually? Yeah. We should probably talk about the following game week commencing the 19th of December, just briefly, if you have the fixtures in front oh, of you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even just try and tentatively pick out a captain for that week. Yeah, good shout. So, because, I mean, we could talk about a bunch of things, but obviously so much can happen in one game week. It would probably be a bit silly of us to go predicting transfers and, I don't know, all sorts of stuff, but even just the captain. Yeah, some sort of main captaincy options. So just looking at the fixtures, trying to, I, I usually try and pick out the sort of standout fixture for like where there's a premium player. I guess Bruno, Bruno at home to Leeds. I do rate Leeds as a team in general, but they can be a team that let in a lot of chances. They also concede a lot from set pieces. Bielsa's trying to rectify that, but Joel Linton. Yeah, <laughs> Joel Linton's uh, Joel Linton's doing okay actually. I can't believe yeah, it. What's he got? Golden assist. Then he got an assist the other day. A mate yeah. of mine actually uh, brought Joel Linton in, and he's got a decent team apart from Joel Linton. And I messaged him uh, saying like. You know, your team's looking good. He's an amateur normally at the game, but I said, look, your team's looking good, but what's Joel Linton doing there? And then he gets is an it, assist, assist in the first minute, so fair play. Is that Joel Linton sat next to Benteke by chance? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the ultimate strike force for any FBL manager. Um, but your captaincy, because you look at Man City against Southampton, and again, you kind of think historically, you kind of, we just think of Southampton as a low-down team, don't we? But they're not. They're not, a, they're not a poor team anymore. So De Bruyne for that fixture, maybe not. And then Liverpool away at Palace. Are Palace going to make it tough for them? They made it tough for Spurs with the help of their keeper, obviously. Um, but again, Palace, uh, this surprised me actually. Palace have only got one clean sheet this season and that was in game week one against Southampton, which um, is surprising because most years they're pretty good defensively but again can't score goals. They've flipped it on, the, they're flipped it on its head this year. They're scoring goals fairly freely. But... Yeah, they're not keeping clean sheets. One clean sheet all season, and that was in game week one. So maybe Salah is a good choice there. Spurs guys have got Leicester at home. Again, Leicester can concede, but I'm not sure. Not sure about that. So yeah, I think. What about Grealish at West Brom? Yeah, so if you've got Grealish, Too ballsy a call. If you've got Grealish there, West Brom is obviously um, an easy fixture, and Grealish is a obviously a really good player. So yeah, that could be a good shout for for those who've got Grealish. But I think what. Just looking at this fixture, actually, what is actually what it tells me is that it's going to be split again when the fixtures are like this. So, for example, when everyone's got Salah in their team, or virtually everyone's got Salah, and then Salah plays, you know, West Brom at home, captaincy is not a debate that week because it's just nailed on that virtually everyone goes. If you've got Salah, you're going for him. But this week, yeah, it's all up in the air. Um, I'd say it'll probably be a toss up between Salah and Bruno that week. Yeah, I think Bruno's good. With yeah, occasional Maverick going for an aisle. Yeah, I'll stick to one of my. I'm going to stick to one of my premium players that are more proven. I did go Grealish earlier on in the season, and it stung me. I think he got a one pointer at home to Brighton. So yeah, I might try and stick to either Salah, 
De Bruyne, Bruno, maybe even no, not not Vardy away at Spurs. What am I talking about? So yeah, it'd be one of my <laughs> for for my personal team. It'd be one of my uh, heavy hitting midfielders. Um, and I guess this what we'll do is obviously midweek there'll be more games played. We might get some more indications. So say if KDB plays a blinder, but then he gets trans uh, subbed out on the 65th minute. That would be a really good sign because he's in form, but he's also having a little rest, which would probably indicate that he might start that game. So stuff like that. So the takeaway is to sort of look into this, take take this week's fixtures, the midweek fixtures, and then apply that to the next week's captain. Yeah, 100%. I, yeah, I think for me, it'll probably be Bruno Sala, Grealish in that order, depending mm-hmm. if, the first, like if Bruno isn't for some reason... An injury, a red card, if Salah isn't, then I'd probably go Grealish, based on just my team at the minute. But transfers can happen, God knows. But just to look ahead, at that's uh, game week 14. Yeah. So we'll do a few questions now, Weds, and we'll wrap this up. Yeah. Um, first questions from Mariner FI, one of the football index. Boys, uh, initial thoughts of the blank and double game weeks coming up on how to navigate them using chips, transfers, etc. I know it may change depending on the fixtures that are yet to be released, but any thoughts would be great. Cheers, fellas. Yeah, that's a good question. So by the time, so obviously the first wildcard has to be used by game week 16. So if you've already got that wildcard, I haven't, but if you have, that could be really powerful because in week 16, you could set up a team for double game week 19, so you'd be bringing in players with who've got doubles in that game. Obviously, still good choices. Don't just bring in anyone for the double. But yeah, bringing a lot of double giving players who play in 19 in with your game with 16 wildcard. In week 18, when a lot of players blank, that's when you can use your free hit chip, where um, obviously if you're new to the game, what that is, is you pick a squad just for that one week. You bring in anyone. And then the very next week, your old team bounces back. So your game week 17 team would bounce back exactly the same in week 19 which would be all full of those double game week players. So that's what you can do. If you haven't got your first wildcard, you can still do a similar thing, but by doing your wildcard in game week 17. And again, you'd bring in players with a double in 19. And in week 18, that's where you'd use your free hit. So obviously I'm saying all this and it's quite simple for me, having played FPL for many years, but if you're not used to that, it might not make too much sense. So maybe just rewind this pod like literally... 30 seconds to a minute and listen listen again because it can it's a lot of numbers and a lot of stuff it can get a bit confusing did, did that make sense to you john listening yeah yeah it's it's one of those things that i i find the predicting blanks and double game weeks weeks ahead of schedule i'm generally kind of like a, a three or four weeker at most maybe maybe even two to three game weeks i start to think about things hmm. which is probably why i haven't been top 30k for six seasons in a row ways but it does start to hurt the head when you, you plan ahead that much and i, I generally just kind of play it by ear a bit closer to the time but yeah by all means about... there are things in fpl that are worth going back and listen to another listening to it again just hit back 30 seconds on your podcast yeah. app if it went over the head yeah and there's all there's a lot of information on twitter you can find if you go to ben krellin he's a guy that most of you probably already follow he's got like seventy five thousand followers or something but he's very good at the sort of blank game weeks and the double game week stuff so he'll put out a lot of tweets that will hopefully make it simple for us but yeah i I want to bring it back to actually to a point you made about you know you've you've said that you kind of maybe don't plan that far ahead, which can can be a good thing because you don't want to get so sidetracked by a double game week that's six game weeks away that you actually forget that you know there's these these next five game weeks you can still make good points in so don't completely write off a big chunk of game weeks just to prep for one big double game week you've got to strike that balance of playing you know a short to medium term game 
and get those points on the board whilst kind of keeping one eye on on that. So if you if you don't want to use a wild card for the doubles when they come along, then just start slowly using your transfers to bring in players who are a good assets, but b have a double in double game week nineteen. Uh, and in terms of who has a double in double game week nineteen, we'll find out that a bit nearer the time. So. Yeah, and things like saving transfers helps as well, doesn't it? Because then when it does come to near the time, then you can use those transfers and it's really easy then. Well, don't worry. We'll, we'll keep you sweet, guys. We'll yeah. be dropping in the team names as and when uh, we hear about them. So to, to thank us for that service, you could just leave a little review there and make sure you subscribe. See what yeah. I did, Wes? I dropped it in mid-episode. So yeah, they haven't switched off yet. You know, yeah, properly exactly, yeah. <laughs> mid-engaging conversation. I caught yeah. the bastards out anyway. Yeah, they haven't wait. They they haven't sensed it coming and just switched us off. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, reviews and all that stuff. The LCFC Statman hashtag FPL. A pretty big mouthful of a name, but there he is. Is Marcus Rashford a good option as a differential? Um, my God like- says no. Yeah. I think I'd definitely prefer Bruno out of the two if you were just to have one. He has he's kind of frustrated this season, hasn't he? I know that I know plenty of people who have had him and they've definitely been frustrated by him because either Bruno's outscored him, he hasn't started games, he's gone off with niggly shoulder injuries. I'm just bringing up his minutes now. He's played a lot more minutes than I actually realised. He's played Yeah, it's just the goal returns haven't been there really. Yeah, three goals, four assists, a blank obviously home of City, a goal off the bench at West Ham. But three of those three of those seven goal involvements were in one fixture at Newcastle. Yeah, that's true. And that was all in that was a crazy game, wasn't it? They, it was like yeah. one all until like the eighty ninth or something. Yeah, that's a good spot actually, yeah. So he had one big score away at Newcastle where they just capitulated. And other than that, his yeah, if you'd if you'd have brought him in after that, you'd have definitely been disappointed because you'd have got two, two, five, three, five, six, three. Speaking um, with sorry, and no, actually, I should let you finish your Rashford no. point, but it's on the differ- differential tangent. But tell me, let's answer, let's answer um, our friend first. Yes or no to him as a differential? Uh, no, no, I would say no. But do you know what? Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll regret that. Go and prove us wrong. Yeah, but yeah. in terms of differential, I didn't realize the the team selected by percentage of this player. It's um, I actually thought I if I had to guess a percentage. Okay, I'll just spit it out. Raheem Sterling four point one percent owned. Now, if I had if you said to me, John, is Raheem Sterling's ownership closer to forty one percent or four point one percent? I would have probably went twenty three. But then. That's maybe yeah. stupid, but I haven't been looking at anyone else's teams this season. I'm just looking at my OR. Normally, that's, I'm in the mini leagues. Normally, yeah. I'm in creeping around. I just haven't done that this season. That's a good, so, good, good thing to not do, actually. So yeah, yeah. I'm pretty oblivious, and this just show, sh- showed me how oblivious I really am. Raheem Sterling, yeah. now albeit he's hardly been in great form, he's only got five goal involvements to Rashford seven. Uh, he hasn't really done much, and he hasn't maybe been just as nailed as we've we've sort of known under the Pep era, but yeah. He four point one percent seems awful low for a guy going into some decent fixtures, but yeah, exactly. And if he is now nailed again, because I think Pep Pep this season has been a bit disappointed with his players, and he's he's kind of come out and said that certain players aren't being rested; they've been essentially left out. I think Laporte Laporte has been a player that would have been, you know, their best centre back in years gone by, but now he's lost his place to the likes of. Stones and Diaz and whoever else is playing ahead of him, and Sterling didn't just get he got 
uh, dropped for the Tottenham game, played 18 minutes there, and then he played zero minutes in, against Burnley. I know he probably played mid in between those fixtures in the Champions League, so maybe I'm wrong on Sterling, but yeah, he hasn't seemed as nailed if you if you're taking those two fixtures. And even when he has played, his he's blanked in a lot of games he's started. Um, he's had t- two or three big scores: Leeds early on, Arsenal early on, and then Fulham. He obviously got that big score. But yeah, I guess if you are really languishing down low, you could go for him over the likes of De Bruyne, who are a similar price. But I don't want to be taking gambles on players who are that expensive until they are properly looking like they're going to do the business and looking like they're nailed on. And I don't like getting differentials for differential's sake. I like to get the best player into my team who I think will score points. That's why I try and, like you, I don't look at other people's teams and I don't look at the the team selected by thing as any sort of marker uh, as to what I should do for a transfer. So I wouldn't think, oh, you know, I want to catch people up. I'm going to go for Sterling over De Bruyne. I'd think who's going to get the most points over X amount of weeks. That's who's going in my team. And then over the course of the season, if you do that, you'll catch people up. Um, you know, people look at it, look at their mini leagues and they say, oh, the person at the top's got seven of the same players as mine. That won't always be the case. Things change. You can still catch them up. So keep playing your own game. Keep just bringing in those players who are going to score them. It's simple, really. Just bring in the players who you think are going to score the most amount of points. And then by the end of the season, you should have a good overall rank. Well, that's it in a nutshell. That is quite yeah. literally it. The next question is from Bevchenko. Almost 3,000 people have transferred in Benteke ahead of this weekend. It's a time we all jump on. Benteke chilling at a cool 5.5 mil has become a bit of a, an in-joke between us ways of the last week yeah. or two. And I yeah, think he must have been lit. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say, he's probably been listening to last week's pod. <laughs> yeah, he scored the 13-pointer against West Brom. And I'll tell you this much, against Tottenham, he should have at least had an assist. Yeah. Could have had so, a goal as well. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> Benteke's turns, he's kind of turned into a bit of a joke player since sort of, you know, being pretty poor for Liverpool, then moving to Palace. He's like the new Bentner. Yeah, exactly. And... However, if you think back to his Villa days, he was a legitimate FPL pick. He's one of those players who seems to... Um, no, uh, in terms of should... To answer the question seriously, no, I'm not considering <laughs> Benteke and you know I don't think we should. However, I think maybe we should... Maybe he's not a complete joke player. If he can stay in that Palace team, who are now going to create more chances as well. He was playing in the Palace team that weren't creating many chances. Now they've got Zaha, Eze, etc., possibly creating him chances he could score better than we're used to him scoring but with the likes of you know Callum Wilson at a similar price Bamford at a similar price Ollie Watkins at a similar price uh, Shea Adams at a similar price all those are slightly more expensive but still they're in that cheap striker bracket they're all they're all much better shouts aren't they yeah I can't say like I don't know what's a joke I can't say he won't be in my team this season though I can't say that categorically right now, Wes, and I'll tell you why. He started getting his 90 minutes again. He has had a couple of chances for goal involvements. I'm not going to have him for at least the next 10 weeks, like if I ever have him. But from game week 24 onwards, he's got Burnley, Brighton, Fulham, Spurs and West Brom. If Benteke can keep his position on that team and Crystal Palace can keep scoring, I'm just saying, ask us this question on the 6th of February. Yeah, and also, also in terms of that, it's um, never write any player off. Like I, in terms of someone like Theo Walcott's done okay since joining Southampton again. Yeah, he's he's a cut price midfielder who's jumped, uh, chipped in with a goal, a couple of assists. Not nothing to 
he's not smashed it in any game week, but he's ticked along and outscored a lot of big hitters in in the last few weeks. So, and he would have been a player I've I'd personally written him off for many years until he'd rejoined a you know a resurgent Southampton and a resurgent Theo Walcott. So, the point there is, don't ever sort of let yourself go into that rabbit hole of you know completely writing off a player being stubborn and be like no this player's a player's a troll he's a trap or whatever if if someone starts proving it if Benteke starts scoring a goal a game for the next seven game weeks people will turn that change their mind they'll, they'll bring him in and he will become a legitimate pick 100% and in his next couple of game weeks he has obviously West Ham whatever but then he's got Liverpool and Aston Villa going back to those teams with a point to prove yeah I don't know I'm just kind of trolling here but who knows who knows a couple more questions uh and one i actually like here is fpl sandwich because it's something i'm debating thoughts on hopping on and off the premiums over the next few game weeks so obviously i have salah and and bruno but i don't have de bruyne now de bruyne has a lovely fixture this week whereas salah's up against spurs now i only got salah in last week so i wouldn't be losing any value if that's what you're into i could jump off salah to de bruyne but then the issue is that on the 27th of December, Salah has West Brom, but then he could even be rested for that fixture. It's hard to plan around. Busy Christmas schedule. Probably won't be rested, but, you know, you never know. Maybe Klopp will look at that fixture and go like, this is one where, you know, we can afford to give the boy some rest for that harder Southampton fixture on the 2nd of January. Do you know, and that's not really Kloppish to do that, but I don't know. I'm kind of digressing from the main question. I know what you mean. Sal- just to bring it back to Salah, Salah is one of those players who does play a lot of minutes. In if you look at his minutes in the Premier League and Champions League over the last couple of years, it's it's really really high. So that's good if you've got him in. In general, he will get he may get the odd rest for sure. But in general, the the hopping on hopping off point, I don't like it when it's when it's pre-planned and it's where where you're using transfers to literally jump on someone for one week. And then the following week, so a bit like what you just said, you bought in Salah, and then the next week you'd go to De Bruyne, and then you'd maybe not you, but then you'd potentially, or whoever, someone listening might then want to jump back to Salah for the West Brom fixture, like you said. But I don't like that. It's too many. You're using too many transfers there. You're you're, you're using, you know, three transfers over three game weeks. So you're only you're only three transfers to use. All three of them would be used on hopping from Salah to De Bruyne and to Salah. And it can hurt you and sting you because the premiums can score big points in any game. Um, and it also means that the rest of your squad, you leave it needs to take minus hits on sorting out the squad. So you could say, oh, look, I haven't taken any minus hits to bring in De Bruyne and lose De Bruyne and bring him back in. But in reality, you kind of have because you're using minuses on that defender who's got injured or that mid-price midfielder who has got suspended. So I think transfers are quite valuable and I don't like the sort of hopping on, hopping off thing. Uh, and at least if you are going to do it, do it over a longer period of time. Sort of plan your transfers in and out like that. I, For me, I'm going to take whatever Salah can get against Spurs. I'm not expecting a big haul, but I want Salah over the sort of, you know, the longer term, the more more, for, more so for, you know, six weeks rather than just one. So I don't want to hop on and off. That's my thought on it. Mm. Yeah, you've, you've convinced me and made me see sort of, rationally there it doesn't make sense wasting all your transfers particularly in such a busy schedule when depth is so important so mm. we'll see how that transpires and the last question of the day from FPL Fatboy Slimfast uh, what are your thoughts on Aguero do you think he'll start against West Brom so yeah what do you think Aguero uh, is so good but yeah, he's just he so, so riddled yeah uh, yeah no forget Aguero as an FPL asset why would you 
why risk bringing in a player who's I'm not sure what he costs at the minute, but you know a similar price to Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy. Ten point three. Yeah, Same is as Vardy, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And Kane's what only a little bit more. Um, so no, I no point. He's he isn't even back from injury properly yet. He came back for like a, a short cameo in the Champions League. He then missed out the following week. If he was going to be building his fitness up, he would have been on the bench against United at least to continue building that fitness. But there was another, I think Pep said there was a stomach issue or something. But no, with Aguero, if you brought him in, if he starts against West Brom, he's getting a maximum of 60, 65 minutes anyway. Um, and of course, it's Aguero who can do damage, but no. With with players coming back from an injury slash injury prone players or rotation risk players, Aguero's all of those and he's expensive. It's not like a little punt on a... On ben a six Teke. million, on who? Sorry, <laughs> on a Benteke. Exactly, yeah. On, on a cheap, a cheaper player like Benteke, but it is. It's you're bringing in a premium player, and he might not even get one minute, or he might ca- he might come off the bench for ten minutes to get his fitness up, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. So no, it's definitely not Aguero time yet. And like I said, especially with how do you, if you're squeezing Aguero, you're gonna have to sacrifice either Kane, Vardy, Son, De Bruyne. Salah, one or two of those players are going to have to miss out to squeeze Aguero in. And all those players are doing really well, so no. Good bets can go bad and bad get, bad bets can go good. I think this is definitely mm. a case of a bad bet. And to give you a yeah. little trading analogy, with the likes of Aguero, the way I look at it is this. I would rather lose 10 points on the way up than risk binning 30 points on the way down, if that makes sense. If I yeah, get Aguero in now for Kane... Aguero could be three weeks farting about and then he's kind of in the squad for the Everton game and duh, duh, duh. and Kane could be scoring 30 or 40 points in that time. 100%. That's the downside. What's the upside? He plays against West Brom and gets 10 points and plays 85 minutes and then you go, all right, I'll get him in for Southampton. So you've missed 10. But the risk, the downside is much, much higher, bigger than the, the upside here. I just yeah, don't that's... see why it makes sense to get Aguero now. It doesn't. Yeah. That's a fantastic, fantastic illustration there. Um, yeah, that's really good. And I fully, fully agree with that. Yeah, I'm just such an intelligent man with my analogies. Anyway, uh, you might I don't know if you caught my, my tweet during the week. <laughs> An analogy I've done on another podcast, but that's for another day, Wes. Um, Wes, is there anything else we need to cover? Uh, I don't think so. I think, obviously, we this is a bit of a different pod where we're looking forward to two game weeks. We'll be back um, after... After after obviously the next two FPL game weeks, so we'll look back on both of those game weeks together and look forward again. So it'll be a bit of a bumper episode, but yeah, no, I think we've covered off covered off all the questions, covered off our teams, covered off a lot of the big talking points, the big captaincy dilemmas. I don't know if there's any players that spring to mind that you think are flying under the radar, John, who people might want to be bringing in, who not so much a differential maybe, but just yeah, people are they're not in they're not really in the conversation at the minute. Is there anyone that jumps to your mind? Then I'll have a look. Uh, there's, there's a there's a few that I think could be in involved in the conversation, like Pascal Gross for Brighton. Obviously, Brighton have just been um, pounded by Leicester, but before that, he had well. F- if you look at Pascal Gross's minutes, so I've got them up in front of me. The first six games, he came off the bench in in all of them, apart from one he didn't even play. But then since then, he's played 90 minutes in the following six games. So he's gone from being a, a bit part player to not even getting subbed off. 
So since game week seven, he started every game. He started six games and he's got two goals, two assists in that time. Obviously, away at Leicester, Brighton didn't perform well, but he's on penalties. He's a bit of a bonus um, bonus king. So when he does get a return, he tends to get bonus. He got three bonus against Liverpool for one goal. He got one goal against Southampton and got two bonus. And even in the game where we just got an assist in a in a 2-1 loss, he ended up with bonus. So he's a player I like. He's got set pieces as well, takes corners. Um, and if you look at Brighton's next two, which are the two obviously recovering now, it's Fulham away, who are a bit resurgent, but still it's not a, they're not playing City away, are they? And it's Sheffield United at home, which is obviously a really good fixture. Then it's West Ham away, which, uh, okay, West Ham have been decent this year, but again, it's, they're still not playing a, you know, a top six side. Then it's Arsenal. We know what trouble they've had. And Wolves as well, who haven't done particularly well so far this season either. So you could argue the next five are really good. And if you do want that team selected by a differential type thing, which I don't look at, but he is 0.9% owned. So he is a good shout. And yeah, I guess he's the one that springs to mind. We could we could run through loads of players, couldn't we? But just wanted to highlight him. I've got two. I've had to pick them. Go for it. Uh, two players who I really like, and I'm not going to bring them in. Their prices are a little bit too steep for that kind of yeah. fifth midfielder. But Jared Bowen yeah. looks outstanding for West Ham. Yeah, uh, he does. They're up against Crystal Palace. Chelsea's a bad fixture, but then they've got a decent run. We're in yeah. five games. They've got Brighton, West Brom, and Burnley. So yeah, uh, I, I really like him. He looks like a great player. Four point three percent ownership. And the other one, which again, a lot of this is probably down to recency bias and his performance last night, but James Madison, Mm. he was an amazing player at the start of last season. He was getting touted for a big Man United move. Uh, Chelsea, who knows? I think he's a United fan though, so that was always the club he was linked to. And he was playing brilliantly, but I don't know if the summer kind of got to his head, if he was expecting the transfer and didn't get it, did he throw the toys out of the pram, what happened? He didn't get much game time, at, or was he injured or something? I don't think he was because he was getting I think minutes. He, he has been, yeah, was, a strange one because he was. He's, he's definitely been managing an injury issue. Um, I he's thought, only actually yeah. missed one fixture outright. Do you know? Yeah, just but maybe it's minutes. one of those where he's you know he's trying to work his way back into the team. Leicester were playing well, and he was just never up to full scratch. But you're right. Mm. He, in terms of game weeks one to three, he came off the bench for a sort of roughly twenty minutes. Game and then missed out on week four. Then he played, so it's definitely a patchy minutes until the last four games where he has. He's been pretty uh, nailed. Yeah, last five games. Sorry, yeah. really. And he got subbed off in the last one, seventy-four minutes in, which you would imagine is for a little bit of a rest. Yeah, because he had such a good game. He's going to play against Everton, who don't yeah. look amazing. I just well, think he's one to keep the eye on because when Madison yeah. and Leicester hit form. He can he he really does have it all. He yeah. he's some Ability, some yeah. pass on him. Uh, a lot yeah. of key passes at the beginning, and particularly playing Vardy through. There's always going to be goal involvements there, but yeah, I think he also has a lot of set pieces. But yeah, um, their fixtures don't look great. But he's just one to watch for maybe. He's, a he is later. a decent shout, and he is one that is good to highlight in terms of not being in that sort of conversation. That everyone seems to be, you know, the same the same sort of players we cycle around. That don't know, so it's good to highlight those who aren't. And he's definitely good player one to watch in terms of just see how he gets on and progresses in previous seasons he's had games where like you say he's been outstanding he's been man of the match blah 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 but he hasn't got those FPL returns I think he I'm not sure on this but I'm pretty sure you know he's been quoted saying that he wants to up up his game in terms of those numbers which is all you can kind of say well you know always players are going to say that but with Zaha this season he's also come out and said 
you know, why aren't I, when I get fouled, why aren't I taking the penalties? Why aren't I shooting more when I've got a chance? Why aren't I beat, like, blah, blah, blah. So when they've got that mindset, it does really help if they do actually want to do that because some players are happy to be the best player on the pitch without necessarily getting the goals and assists. But if they actually want it and they try more shots and they try and get into better positions because uh, Madison's goal, both goals yesterday were kind of from the edge of the box, whereas in previous seasons, he's taken a lot of shots from, not from 20 yards, but from more... 25 to 30 yards which is obviously harder to score from so yeah excellent player definitely one to watch could be one to take a bit of a gamble on um and yeah like i say in terms of overall talent he's excellent it's just can he replicate that into fpl points okay Wes. so that's it for this week's podcast thank you everyone for listening Wes, have you any parting comments yeah just thanks everyone for listening uh we're getting some really good comments on the pod so we're really loving all that feedback we read it all and share it with each other and also the five star reviews on wherever you get your podcast from and all that good shit so go do that subscribe follow us on twitter as well uh and then obviously you'll see when the pods come out each week uh so yeah thanks everyone we're we're really enjoying it we're loving doing it so yeah thank you all for listening 100 percent. i'd echo all that and do you know what do us a favor get, get in on the question game if you, if you miss the post each week, Wes normally puts it out looking for questions. Even just send us a DM. Uh, mm. Questions can really make the show because they can make us think of things that we wouldn't think about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's go and check out that Liverpool Spurs fixture on Fanslide. Get the app downloaded. There's 250 quid up for grabs on that fixture. Free rolling. Let us know what you think. Yeah, so thanks to Fanslide, the partners of the show. Yeah.